Welcome to Classics Out Loud. The Blue Castle by L.M. Montgomery. Chapter 28. Summer passed by. The Sterling clan, with the insignificant exception of cousin Georgiana, had tacitly agreed to follow Uncle James' example and look upon Valancy as one dead. To be sure, Valancy had an unquiet, ghostly habit of reoccurring resurrections when she and Barney clattered through Deerwood and out onto the port in that unspeakable car. Valancy, bareheaded, with stars in her eyes. Barney, bareheaded, smoking his pipe. But shaved. Always shaved now, if any of them had noticed. They even had the audacity to go into Uncle Benjamin's store to buy groceries. Twice Uncle Benjamin ignored them. Was Valancy not one of the dead? while Snaith had never existed. But the third time, he told Barney he was a scoundrel, who should be hung for luring an unfortunate, weak-minded girl away from her home and friends. Barney's one straight eyebrow went up. I have made her happy, he said coolly. And she was miserable with her friends, so there's that. Uncle Benjamin stared. It had never occurred to him that women had to be, or ought to be, Made happy. You, you pup, he said. Why be so unoriginal, queried Barney amiably. Anyone could call me a pup. Why not think of something more worthy of the Sterlings? Besides, I'm not a pup. I'm really quite a middle-aged dog. Thirty-five, if you're interested in knowing. Uncle Benjamin remembered just in time that Valancy was dead. He turned his back on Barney. Valancy was happy, gloriously and entirely so. She seemed to be living in a wonderful house of life and every day opened a new, mysterious room. It was in a world which had nothing in common with the one she had left behind, a world where time was not, which was young with immortal youth, where there was neither past nor future, but only the present. She surrendered herself utterly to the charm of it. The absolute freedom of it all was unbelievable. They could do exactly as they liked. No Mrs Grundy, no traditions, no relatives or in-laws. Peace, perfect peace, with loved ones far away, as Barney quoted shamelessly. Valancy had gone home once and got her cushions, and Cousin Georgiana had given her one of her famous candlewick spreadsheets of most elaborate design. For your spare room bed, dear, she said. But I haven't got any spare room, said Valancy. Cousin Georgiana looked horrified. A house without a spare room was monstrous to her. But it's a lovely spread, said Valancy with a kiss, and I'm so glad to have it. I'll put it on my own bed. Barney's old patchwork quilt is getting quite ragged. I don't see how you can be contented to live up back, sighed Cousin Georgiana. It's so out of the world. Contented, Valancy laughed. What was the use of trying to explain to Cousin Georgiana? It is, she agreed, most gloriously and entirely out of the world. And are you really happy, dear? asked Cousin Georgiana wistfully. I really am, said Valancy gravely, her eyes dancing. Marriage is such a serious thing, sighed Cousin Georgiana. When it's going to last long, agreed Valancy. Cousin Georgiana did not understand this at all, 
but it worried her, and she lay awake at nights wondering what Valancy meant by it. Valancy loved her blue castle, and was completely satisfied with it. The big living room had three windows, all commanding exquisite views of exquisite Mistalis. The one in the end of the room was an oriel window, which Tom McMurray, Barney explained, had got out of some little old up-back church that had been sold. It faced the west, and when the sunsets flooded it, Valancy's whole being knelt in prayer as if in some great cathedral. The new moons always looked down through it. The lower pine boughs swayed about the top of it, and all through the nights the soft, dim silver of the lake dreamed through it. There was a stone fireplace on the other side. No desecrating gas imitation, but a real fireplace, where you could burn real logs. With a big grizzly bearskin on the floor before it, and beside it a hideous red plush sofa of Tom McMurray's regime. But its ugliness was hidden by silver-grey timberwolf skins, and Valancy's cushions made it gay and comfortable. In a corner a nice, tall, lazy old clock ticked, the right kind of clock, one that did not hurry the hours away but ticked them off deliberately. It was the jolliest-looking old clock, a fat, corpulent clock with a great, round man's face painted on it, the hands stretched out of its nose and the hours encircling it like a halo. There was a big glass case of stuffed owls and several deer heads, likewise of Tom McMurray's vintage. Some comfortable old chairs that asked to be sat upon. A squat little chair with a cushion was prescriptively Banjo's. If anyone else dared sit on it, Banjo glared him out of it with his topaz-hued black-ringed eyes. Banjo had an adorable habit of hanging over the back of it, trying to catch his own tail, losing his temper because he couldn't catch it, giving it a fierce bite for spite when he did catch it. Yowling malignantly with pain, Barney and Valancy laughed at him until they ached. But it was good luck they loved. They both agreed that good luck was so lovable that he practically amounted to an obsession. One side of the wall was lined with rough, homemade bookshelves filled with books and between the two side windows hung an old mirror in a faded gilt frame, with fat cupids gambolling in the panel over the glass. A mirror, Valancy thought, that must be like the fabled mirror into which Venus had once looked, and which thereafter reflected as beautiful every woman who looked into it. Valancy thought she was almost pretty in that mirror, but that may have been because she had shingled her hair. This was before the day of Bob's, and was regarded as a wild, unheard-of proceeding, unless he had typhoid. When Mrs. Frederick heard of it, she almost decided to erase Valancy's name from the family Bible. Barney cut the hair, square off at the back of Valancy's neck, bringing it down in a short black fringe over her forehead. It gave a meaning and purpose to her little three-cornered face that it never had possessed before. Even her nose ceased to irritate her. Her eyes were bright, and her sallow skin had cleared to the hue of creamy ivory. The old family joke had come true. She was really fat at last. Anyway, at least no longer skinny. Valancy might never be beautiful, but she was the type that looked its best in the woods, elfin, mocking, alluring. Her heart bothered her very little. When an attack threatened, she was generally able to head it off with Dr. Trent's prescription. The only one bad one she had was the night when she was temporarily out of medicine, and it was a bad one. For the time being, Valancy realised keenly that death was actually waiting to pounce on her any moment. But the rest of the time, she would not, did not, let herself remember it at all. 